Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your new go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Select Few. Select Few provides transparent, flexible marketing teams made of pre-vetted freelancers. Establish action plans, discover missing pieces, and then build and manage a team of pros in everything from copywriting to Facebook ads to web design and outsourced sales. No white labeling, no markups, just flexible teams of expert marketers ready to get to work. If you run a business and need help with marketing, head to selectfew.co. And if you're a pro freelancer looking to work with new clients, head to the same address or send an email over to team at selectfew.co. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. So once you've been freelance writing for a while, things are kind of starting to run like a well-oiled machine. The next question that naturally arises is, how do I start getting more work and how do I start getting new clients and how can I grow this business to a point, maybe even beyond myself? How do I scale this up? How do I get past the point where I've got a full workload, I'm maxed out, but I'm also not saying no to opportunities all the time. So what we're going to talk about in this episode is ways to grow your freelance business. Maybe you're at the stage where you have consistent work coming in, but you're looking for something a little bit more I guess exponential would be a good word. It doesn't have to be like you're building this huge business or agency model or whatever, but I think that there are some interesting models to consider when you're thinking about how do I grow past this kind of maxed out point without reaching burnout, without totally resenting the work that you're doing and kind of having this full plate, what are the options? So Emma, my first question for you is, I want to kind of get some context from you. Like, How long did it take for you to reach that point where you were like, I'm ready to think strategically about how to grow this beyond myself. Mm. So I think it took me probably about two to three years of freelancing to feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I have a pretty well-oiled machine and I want to think about ways to do new things. And I want to be clear here. I don't think growth is just about oh, I want to make more money. Like I figured out how to make money on this and now I, I need to make more gimme, gimme. It's not that. It's about I'm bored now because I know what I'm doing, right? Like we as freelancers, we don't have the opportunity to get promoted. We don't have the opportunity to take on a new role unless we make it for ourselves. So to me, I do want to be clear that growth can mean many different things. It can mean I want to grow financially. I want to double my revenue. I want to take more money out of the business. Or it could be like, I just want to try some new things because I'm like not getting jazzed about what I'm providing anymore. So for me, I feel like after two or three years, I started, I started to want to be more deliberate about the business and the services that I was offering. So I was at the time I was doing like general long form content. I would say I was doing a lot of blog articles. I was doing a lot of eBooks and I felt this kind of itch to do more case studies. I was working from transcripts a lot and I was like, this seems more like me I was enjoying doing interviews with people. I had a few clients that wanted to 
like create content based on what they had to say. And I was like, I love being on the phone. How do I get more of that in my business? How do I, you know, how do I go from just like writing blog articles for a client to getting more opportunities to interview people? And my take was, I was like, well, I want to offer case studies as a really clear service that I offer. I want to develop a process for that. I want to start marketing myself as a case study writer. And so for me, I think the first step wasn't necessarily growing beyond myself to hire a team. It was kind of like, I'm going to offer something new as a way to grow. And I think there were other things that I, that I did and experimented with along the way, but that was a really crucial first step for me. How about you? What do you, how do you, how have you thought about growing your business over all these years? It's funny. For a long time, I was very much just a one person operation, probably partially because of control issues and just wanting to have control over every aspect of client work that I was doing. But it, it's funny. Actually, the first time I started moving beyond that was when we were doing Domina. So we were doing the retreat. We were busy doing this in-person event and you and I were together in Austin. And I remember going into my bedroom at the house we rented one night and being like, oh shit, I have an outline and a draft due and I haven't started on these. And there's no way I can realistically get to either of these and be present at this retreat at the same time. I need help. So I reached out to a fellow writer, a a subcontractor, essentially, someone you had referred me to and was like, hey, here's the deal. I'm at this retreat. I have a brief done. I have a loose outline. I really need your help building out basically a rough first draft of this. So I have something to work with because I just don't have time to get to this and I don't want to have to ask for extension on the deadline. So it was sort of out of necessity. I was in a crunch and I needed help. And so I got this first draft back and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, this is incredible. Why have I not been doing this for years? Because a lot of the legwork was done, right? Like I had a good outline. I had the framework of what needed to be fleshed out for the piece. I just didn't have the time and focus to work on executing that first draft. So by handing it off to somebody else and basically being like, here's the training wheels, here's the structure, like run with this. And having a quality writer who could execute that was a game changer for me. That was amazing. So I realized the efficiency boost that that would give to me if I could continue to do that. And so I continued to work with that same person, kind of following that model, but also like teaching along the way, like, hey, here are the things to be mindful of and moving forward, let's do this. And so just using that initial moment of necessity, that's kind of how I got it, got started with the subcontracting model, which I use, I still use today. I still do a lot of the work myself, but I I need help with different pieces of the execution, whether it's research or outlining. Sometimes it's getting that first draft done. Sometimes it's like, do some interviewing for me, like talk to a couple subject matter experts, pull some quotes from those conversations, things like that. So it's just been an interesting experience that came out of oh my gosh, I'm going to miss a deadline. It actually forged this whole new world for me in my freelance writing business. And I've been able to replicate it with a few other people at this point as well. I want you to go more macro, Kaylee. I mean, I love everything that you said. I know I've done exactly this too. When you're talking about this, I think this is sort of the nuts and bolts of how you grow in terms of like, hey, I need help. And 
I, I can't do what I'm doing anymore or I'm going to go insane. So I need to get somebody on board to help me. And that is going to sort of fuel the growth of my business. But in a more big picture sense, I'm curious from you, like, how do you think about like where you want your business to be in five years from now? Do you want to be offering the same mix of services you are now? Do you want to be doing more coaching or more leadership or you don't know? Or And I can answer these questions for myself, but it occurred to me as you're talking about this, it's like, well, the subcontractors solve a problem of maybe having too much work on your plate so that you can grow and focus on other things. But what are those other things, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually very bad about thinking about the future. And so for me, it's like, what are little things that I can do to help my day-to-day work? And so that's very much how I've approached this whole subcontracting relationship type thing is what can I do to make my day-to-day work more efficient? And so I guess to answer your question, I have a lot more time freed up now because I'm doing, like you said, more sales calls, more managing of people, just kind of piecework when it comes to the actual execution, a little bit more editing. So I do have more time now to focus on other things, whether that's creating new digital products or doing live workshops or recording this new podcast, or I've done a little bit of speaking at like virtual events. So more, I wouldn't call them like lead driving, but more just like authority building things, more things that I'm almost like, I feel like I'm the funnel for this business now. So people know me, they know what I do, they know my area of expertise. So I get all these new opportunities that come in. And by being the funnel, I'm not only supplying a a small group of freelance writers with work who normally wouldn't have a full pipeline, but I am at the next stage of my business where I'm getting to be a little bit more managerial, I guess. And I have more leeway to like, I want to take a long run in the afternoon and I'm not tied to my desk because I have this deadline coming up. There's just a little bit more inherent flexibility built into the day to day. So as far as big picture goes, I don't have like a grand plan. I can just tell you that day to day, my work week is much more enjoyable at this point. Mm, That's good. And I think it's also like a thing about growth, that growing is not necessarily about like making more money or releasing new products or totally reconfiguring the business. It can also be about growing the business in a way that that grows your life and your quality of life, right? Because I think that's what you're talking about here. And yeah. I, listening to you, I'm like, why would anyone want to listen to me talk about anything on this podcast after hearing you like so eloquently talk about like, I'm the funnel for my business and this is what it means. I'm like, literally like, I feel like the, I don't know. I'm like the class clown. I'm like, oh my gosh. I think it's the opposite. I think you're far more interesting and like engaging and, and like, I don't know. Businesses are just so different too. Like we do different things. So don't think that at all. Well, but I, I thought that the way that you articulated that about being the funnel for the business is something I can really relate to. And I think no matter how you choose to grow the business, whether you want to be someone that's offering more and more digital products, and we can talk a little bit about that, or you want to be doing teaching, or you want to be coaching, or you want to release a course, no matter what, you sort of become 
the person at the top. And I mean, for me, the subcontractors have allowed me to focus my time on the work that I really love. So by subcontracting out the writing part, I know we're talking about freelance writing, but subcontracting out a lot of that writing part allows me to focus on the interviews. It allows me to focus on the client relationships. It allows me to focus on like putting together bigger proposals or finding new opportunities or doing this podcast. It it, it frees up my time to do the work that I love. And I think I'm a little bit like you where I don't have a grand plan. I'm sort of like, I want to do work that is interesting to me. And I have this, I went on a retreat a couple of years ago and they had us like, actually, I... They had us do an exercise. It was from a Jenny Blake book called, I'm going to look it up. It was called a Jenny Blake, it was a Jenny Blake book about, it's called Pivot. And it was a, it was a book about how to pivot your career or your business. And I read this book, it was recommended at this retreat. I read this book and it had this exercise in it where it helped you like sort of align your values with how you grew your business. And it was a super interesting exercise to me. And I can record an image of like my result in our show notes, but I came up with these things of like, always be learning, be playful, be curious. Like they were just these things that I cared about, like always have fun, like be wacky, like whatever. It sounds like super fluffy, but I actually really wasn't because it helped me define what I wanted to get out of my business. And so as I think about how to grow things, I can sort of run it through this filter now of like, you know, does this match the values that I've set for my life and my business? I wish I had it in front of me right now to share it, but I recommend that exercise from that book, Pivot by Jenny Blake, to anybody who is thinking about trying something new in their business, because that's what it's about. It's like, how do you go from, I'm a freelance writer offering services to like, I am only going to sell digital products and a course or something like that. And I think you and I have both dipped our toes in to digital products, for example. And I'm curious about like, when it comes to growth, how you think about some of these other things like digital products and freelance writing resources, like is your hope that that sort of, you know, you don't have to do the freelance writing someday or is it not about that for you? I think it's, well, first of all, I want to say, I think it's really important to revisit what you just said to like, when you're stuck in the day-to-day work, you're down in the details, you can't ask yourself those questions and get a realistic answer because your head is just like constantly thinking of your to-do list. You can't step out of it and take a step back and look at the big picture because you're busy and you're just so overloaded. So I think number one, it's really important for people to do that exercise. And that was one of the things that Linda Perry did at our retreat too, was like, basically like, what are the self-imposed limitations that you're maybe not even realizing you're putting on yourself? And you like, have what a, are the limiting beliefs? Yeah, and you struggled with that. I, I did. Remember. I hated it. I hated it. And she saw my face when we did that, and she was like, "I can tell that you hate this. Why?" And she asked me point blank, like, "Why do you? Why are you resisting this so much?" And for me, it, I think it was a matter of language. In my case, like, I just didn't like the language that was used because it felt a little too woo woo for me at the time. But when I stepped back and we had finished the workshop, and I really let it soak in what she, what she was really saying. I was like, wow, this is, I've never really deliberately sat down and asked myself, like, how am I getting in my own way? What are the things that are holding me back? Because like I said, I'm, I'm not good at thinking big picture. I'm very much like, give me a to-do list and I'll tear that shit up. But like, I, I am not good at 
zooming out and looking at things like that. So that was probably just an innate reaction too to like, ooh, I don't like to do that. I don't want to think like that because it's uncomfortable for me. So, but yeah. Yeah. And I would say, even though you may not feel that you're great about zooming out and looking at the big picture, you are great about getting an inkling that you might want to try to do something new because it's inspiring or interesting or you're bored and you want to give it a shot and doing it. Like you're great at doing the thing. Like there's so many things that you've released in the past years that I've known you, like your, your, the digital products that you have where I, I know you weren't thinking big picture about like, let me start a digital products empire. But you were like, I wonder (laughs) if I could package these things that I have and sell them to the people that are interested in what I do, because I think I have a lot to share. Right. Yeah. And I think so much about growing your business is getting curious about those things and saying like, what if I, what if I, what if I, Mm -hmm. because I think for me, it's kind of like, well, what if I started a podcast? And I don't think you want to get like, it's really easy to get shiny object syndrome and be like, I could start a podcast. I could do a YouTube channel. I could release digital products. I could grow an agency. I could, I mean, it starts (laughs) to get really overwhelming. And I think the approach you and I have taken is to follow one inkling and kind of chip away at it as an experiment and see if it lights you up and see what results you get for it. So in releasing my digital product, I felt like, hey, I know everything there is to know about creating case studies. And I get a lot of questions from fellow writers about how to do them. So what if I just packaged up like basically everything I already have and I re- and, and put it in a do-it-yourself case study kit and price it at something that's like way less than working with me or way lo- like way less than a coaching call and let's see what happens. And I sold many more of them than I expected not to like even come close to replacing my business model, but I sort of tried on how that felt and there were parts of it that really got me going. And there were other parts of it where I was like, I don't know if I want, I would want to run like a pure digital products business. Yeah. And I feel the same way too. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to be somebody whose primary source of income is any sort of digital product. I think it's always going to come from client work. But like you, I had these things that I knew were really useful. And so I wanted to put them out into the world, even though I didn't feel entirely ready at the time. I still had that inkling in the back of my head that like, you're selling things. People are going to be like, gross, get away from me, spammy marketer. But I just kind of like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it and see how it goes. And again, like there are not a lot of how to's with like shortcuts and things that make life easier for this type of career path. So anytime that you can take like, Hey, this works. I know this works. I've proven it time and time again here's a template, you can do it too. I think that that's like a really nice act of goodwill too, to like put your knowledge out into the world. Yes, you're putting a price tag on it, but the value that those types of assets can deliver is like well beyond whatever it costs for the thing that you're selling. Sure. And I think it's like a way to scale up who you can help. That's how I've heard talked about it, where it's like, I can't help everyone learn how to do a case study. I can't take on every case study client, but having a do-it-yourself case study kit allows me to serve more people. And I think there's something like really empowering about that. I also want to touch on here that like you and I maybe have somewhat similar approaches to how we think about this at least, but I know so many freelance writers who have done so many creative things and, and, about how they grow their business. So there's people who they are much bigger picture and they're like, I know I 
want to do a course because I've learned so much about some industry that I'm serving that I want to do a course. Or there are people who are like, I want to grow an agency. Like I want to grow a big team. Like I want to be, I I don't want to just be a few subcontractors. Like I want this to be like a big team. People have that goal. I have seen people launch like digital product empires where they're really like going all in. Um, Aman Zabi, I don't know if you know her. She has a like a physical launch deck for entrepreneurs who are like course creators who are going through a launch of their course. And it's like a physical, it's actually a physical product. So I think that, and and she's actually working on a software for courses as well. So like, I think you can say like, oh, I've identified a problem. I'm going to create a software company. So there's no limit to the direction that you can grow as a business. Um, I think that if you're really considering something like very different from the service-based business that you're doing that you have to read Pivot by Jenny Blake. That's like, you have to read it. (laughs) That's the bottom line. Yeah. I think that like my approach is much more like try things on. I really like doing the service-based work that I do. I don't want to escape that anytime soon, but I do think that there are freelance writers that are like, I've done this for a while. I get it. I want to do something else. How do I figure out how to do that? Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you about before we end this episode is, have you ever tried the productized services model? Because I know that that's another way people scale up their freelance writing businesses, like the buy my day model. So I am i haven't tried that, but have is that a model that you've used before? Oh boy. Oh boy, Kaylee. Yeah. Let's talk about this because I have thoughts. Because- yeah. I've not tried it. So I'm, I'm curious about what your take on it is. So I was part of a mastermind group and a lot of people were using this model of like a buy my day. And to be fair, they were people that were helping mostly course creators like go through a course launch, like an, like, you know, an Amy Porterfield or something. Mm -hmm. And when someone would buy their day, I, I mean, I don't know. They had they would sell their day for like fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars, and they would sort of make promises about what they could do. And I tried it a few times, and it was not for me. It didn't work with the clients that I was working with. I couldn't get enough done during that day to really be valuable. It just didn't work for the clients that I served because it wasn't like they had an imminent launch coming up and they needed me to like rush through everything and and really like get a big chunk of stuff done for them by a certain date. So it didn't work well for my clients. But I did learn that finding clever ways to productize what you offer is worth doing. So like the buy my day thing didn't work for me personally, but other things have. So even just saying like case studies are a product that I offer, which I talked about at the beginning of this episode, but it's like even putting a stake in the ground and saying case studies are a product that I offer. Here is what this product includes. Here is the price of this product. And there's some variability in price because some of my clients need me to do an interview. Some of them don't. Some of them have an in-house designer. Some of them don't and need my team to help. But that's sort of a product that I offer the same way that you offer a blog article. So those mm-hmm. that's like a way of productizing things. I think it really depends on the clients that you serve. And I'm curious if you have thought about how you've sort of productized things, if if at all. Yeah, it's just tough because it seems like a lot of the work I do has a lot of variability to it. So 
scoping those projects is not something that lends itself well to like a buy my day because a 5,000 word blog post is going to take a whole lot longer than a 1,500 word one. And you really don't know the specifics of that until you have those conversations. And at that point, it's kind of like, why don't we just scope this based on word count? Because that's what makes the most sense for both of us. So yeah, I've been curious about this model because I think it's an interesting idea, especially from a consulting perspective, at least from the type of work that I do. So I've considered doing like by my day and I will audit your entire website and give you notes on how you can improve the copy specifically for e-commerce folks where I have a lot of, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but it's like, why wouldn't you just sell an audit? (laughs) Right, right. And that's the thing. It's like, is this the right way to frame this? Does this make sense to the customer? And I I don't think the answer is yes. Well, for your customers, I don't think so. I think for some customers. So if you were, if someone was serving you, so here's a good example. So I'm thinking about like working on sales pages for you Mm -hmm. and like you, you might consider hiring me for a day to write a sales page if you, because you know me and you know what I can do and you know, you'd say, okay, fine, it's a day. But you'd also just say like, why don't you just write a sales page? (laughs) I don't know, like (laughs) even that. I was going to try to make the point that maybe for like a solopreneur, the buy my day really works. But then I'm like, does it? I don't know. But maybe if you were like, I'm trying to launch a product on X date, I don't have time to be on your wait list. I don't even, I don't like work with a wait list because some people do. Some people book clients where they're like, they work on one client for two weeks straight and then they work on another client for the next two weeks and another client for the next two weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Like I have many balls in the air at once. It was super illuminating when I was in this freelance writing mastermind because there were so many different models for how people serve their clients. Yeah. And I think they're all really just frames for the pricing that you present. You know, it's just a different way to position things when you're pitching it to the client. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to have somebody buy your day. If you have a long to-do list, almost like a task rabbit, like you have a long list of to-do things that you need done, maybe in your email client or on your website, and you just want to hire somebody to sit down and give you like six to eight hours and knock all those tasks out. That makes a lot of sense to me. But when it comes to different types of projects, that, that just doesn't make sense. That frame doesn't doesn't help sell the service. So I think it really just depends on what what is the end product and you know what is the lens that's going to be most effective for like hey this is valuable to my client. I mean maybe there's something to be said for the marketing tactic of like I'm offering five by my days to do a website audit and uh, like here book your slot Maybe there's something there, but it's also like if you're going to work for that long, it needs to be at a super high price, in my opinion. And I just don't know if that's the best framing. I think it's still too tied to your time. I think that's my issue with it, but it works for other people. But for me, it's like, I don't want you in my day. Yeah. And I feel like it's it's very like service provider centric, like by my day. It's not about the customer at all. It's about like, you give me money for my time. For my, you pay me. It's not about like, here's how I can serve you. It's like, you buy the day and I'll do the thing. But it like work, it really works for so many people. They have it does, rates. it so, does. So Tarzan Kay, I know does this and she's talked about it. I feel like I attended a seminar by her where she talked about how she does her day rate. And it was like, that's after I heard that, I was like, I'm going to try it. 
Mm-hmm. And I sold a couple of days and it really didn't work for me. And she talked about how when she first did it, it didn't work for her either. But she also was, she also serves like totally different clients from the ones that you and I work with. Like she works with like almost all course creators and they have these super specific launch timelines. And so they need all these emails before their launches. And like, they really need someone to just get in there and do it. And I just feel like our clients don't work with that same sense of urgency. Yeah. I think that that's a good point. So the bottom line here is there are a lot of different ways that you can grow beyond just yourself and expand what you're doing within your freelance writing business. It's, it's takes some experimentation though. I think it takes some trial and error. Uh, it totally. And I think the other thing I would say about growth is as you grow, you need the, the goal is to be doing more of what you love. And so your goal should always be like, how do I do more of that? And there's, you know, I don't know what you love, Kaylee, and I love different different parts of what we do. But that's the final piece I'll say about it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance Writing Coach. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit FreelanceWritingCoachPodcast.com. PodcastEdition.com provided editing, and Ali Rico provided writing assistance.